0: How we doing? We good? Good, good. Man, so glad you're here. Today we are wrapping up our Our Father series that we've been talking about over the last several weeks to think rightly about who God is, because uh, that's the most important thing about us, what comes into our mind when we think about God. And yesterday, as you heard, we had our one-day marriage conference, and we invited uh, pastor, counselor, Jip, uh, Jip Chip, Judd, I like to put words together, right? Uh, to be here for that, and it was an amazing time. Like David said, we took all kinds of notes, uh, learned a lot, and I asked him to come and speak for us today to close out this series, Our Father. And the reason why is because he has been a huge influence in my life. As you'll see, I, I, I said I call him Yoda, and you'll understand why as as he gets into the message. But he has done more for me personally. Than anyone else to help me understand God rightly as a father, to, to have the relationship with God rightly, to receive and rest in the Father's love. And so I asked him to come and speak for us today. So, would you guys give it up for Pastor, Counselor Chip Judd? He's gonna come and lead us in our time together. Yeah. Thank
1: you, sir. Thank you bud. Bless you, man. All right, how are y'all doing this morning? All right. All right, all right. Is there anybody here that wants everything God has for him? Anybody here? All right, say this with me. Heavenly Father, I don't want anything you don't want me to have, but I want everything you want me to have. Is that a decent prayer? Because we're gonna talk about something. It uh, should be a little fun and hopefully be helpful, but I, I would say indirectly, kind of mixed in there, it's, it's possibly the most important thing I've learned as a Christian. Um, I mean, in other words, as a Christian, meaning I get, you know, receiving Jesus and all that, but not like that's not a big deal. But uh, what we're gonna talk about is kind of like, whatever, if, if, if you read the Gospels, Jesus was always, we believe in a trinity, Right? Three in one, and you can't really understand it, it's kind of a mystery. But Jesus, the Son, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, was always kind of referring to the other two. So you got Jesus, and he would talk about the Holy Spirit. And then you got another place, he'd talk about the Father. And um, I've come to believe that you need to have a relationship with all three of them. Now I know they're one God. But when I met Jesus as my Lord and Savior, it changed me in some ways. When I met the Holy Spirit, and began to build a relationship with him, it changed me in some ways. And then I met the Father. And wow, wow, did it change me in some ways. So that's kinda what we're gonna talk about today. Um, uh, You know, I'm a a dad, been married 42 years next week. 42 years. And uh, I have 3 I have 3 wonderful children all married. I have 6 grandkids. Are grandkids amazing or what? Who's got grandkids? Raise your hand. I have one of my toes that's painted pink. <laughs> Why is my toe painted pink? Cuz I ain't going to wash it off. I wear flip-flops. I don't care if I look weird with a pink toe. I don't care. Every time I look at that toe, I think of my grandchildren. And I could just eat them as as I could my own children. So one day, uh, you know, my daughter, uh, my middle daughter, had moved out to Austin, Texas, to go to the University of Texas. And uh, it was a very courageous thing to do. She just felt like God led her to do that, and uh, she went pretty much by herself. No, didn't know anybody out there. So my point is, um, there were you know there were some adjustments on the front end. She wasn't married, so she was alone, and. Um, You know, my wife and I were sitting on the couch watching American Idol or something, I don't know. And uh, my phone rings, and I, you know, had a a fair number of conversations with my daughter about what was happening. And uh, how many of you thank God for caller ID, you know? So I'm I'm, I'm sitting there watching TV with my wife. My phone rings, and I can see it's this particular daughter. And so I had a decision to make. Do I wanna pause the TV, because, you know, you can do that and watch it later, or do I wanna, like, In a sense, pause my daughter, and catch up with her later. And I thought I better answer the phone. So I answered, and sure enough, she was not having a good day. She was tearful and whatever. And here's what she said in in a nutshell: Last week was great. This week, I'm crying every day. Last week, great. This week, crying every day. So you know, I'm thinking, and you know, we're pretty close to our kids. So I sort of, I knew it wasn't money because she didn't have any money. How many of you know you can't be uptight about money if you got none, right? (laughs) And, and she was kind of still on the payroll a little bit, so it wasn't money. Uh, it wasn't real estate. She surely didn't have any real estate, um, and it wasn't a relationship because you know we, we talked to our kids, and I knew it wasn't that. So I kind of had boiled it down. Now, how many of you have ever tried to give a pill to a cat? You ever tried to do that? Those little suckers are mean. You better have some of those like thick construction gloves on. Oh man, they, they whatever. So sometimes, as a counselor working with people, it's kind of like trying to give a pill to a cat, it's gonna help them, but it's they just don't want to swallow it. You know what I'm saying? So I knew I kind of had to give a pill to the cat. I knew to help my daughter, I had to kind of help her see something. So here's what I, I said, baby, can you know, can I kind of share some things that may you know might be helpful? And I'm kind of halfway expecting her to you know, not take it well. And I said, baby, I said, here's the deal. Last week, great week. This week, crying every day. The only thing that changed is between your ears. The only thing that changed is how you are thinking, interpreting, and responding to whatever's going on in your life. Now, how many of you understand what I'm trying to say? Say yes if you understand that. In other words, there was something about our thinking. so... Wow, the the cat swallowed the pill. She was like, yeah, you're probably right, you know? And so as we kind of broke that turn, I was like, God, give me something practical. And I feel like the Lord gave me three questions, and they're gonna be up on the screen here in just a second, but these three questions, anytime I'm sort of like disoriented or I'm not feeling right and I can't really figure out why, I, I, I sort of back up into these three questions. So here's what I said, I said, baby, um, journal, because we journal, journal these three questions. Number one, how do I see God? How do I see God? How many of you know that's a big deal? It's a big deal how you see God. Do you see him with his arms folded? Do you see him kind of like looking down like, oh, here he comes again, screwed up again. How do you see God? So I told her, you know, meditate on that a little bit. And then the second one is, how do I see myself? How do I see myself? Do I see myself as like just a disappointment? I had a dad who, who didn't know how to express love very well, and uh, he would say to me, you're lazy and you'll never amount to anything. And truthfully, I think it was, he was expressing the regrets of his own life, because I think he, didn't, he knew he didn't do with it what he could have, but, uh, but that hurt, man, it hurt. And it affected how I saw God after I became a Christian. But it also affected how I saw myself. And I didn't believe I deserved for God to be nice to me. I mean, I deserved my sins to be forgiven. You know, Jesus did all that, so all right, I'm gonna go to heaven when I die. But I just didn't believe I deserved a really cool life now. Because I always had a list, you know, like I don't pray enough, I don't read the Bible enough, I don't this, I don't that, I don't this. And I do this and do this and this. And so how I see God, how I see myself. And the last one, number three, what do I have to do to please him and get my needs met? What do I have to do? Now, just to not cut corners, or really to cut corners, my answer to that question is simple. What do I have to do to please God and get my needs met? Anybody wanna guess? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing the essence of our religion, if you will, the essence of Christianity is that someone else did everything necessary for me to please the Father. In other words, the the, the gospel is really this simple. Jesus took what we deserved and gave us what he deserves. Now, if you don't get that, you didn't, you didn't you didn't get everything. Remember what we said at the beginning? I don't want what I don't you don't want me to have. I want everything you want me to have? God wants you to have that. He wants you to have as a rock solid bottom to your experience that Jesus took everything I deserve and he gave me everything he deserves. How many of you think that's a pretty good deal? It's a pretty good deal, but but here's the deal. Do we really walk in it? Do we really see God that way? There's a verse in 1 John 4 that we'll talk about toward the end in more depth, but it says this, we've come to know and believe. We have come to know and believe. What does that mean? That means over the days, weeks, months, and years of life, we've acquired knowledge and we've learned to trust certain things, behaviors, people, whatever. Here's the problem the majority of what we've come to know and believe is wrong. It's just wrong. So I always see my, my ministry, my job in counseling or up here speaking, whatever, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get you to, I call it mind shift. I'm trying to get you to shift the way you think so that you can get more of what God has for you. So how you see God's a big deal. In fact, I believe it determines How you become. Could you go ahead and throw that first picture up there, please? Who is that? Bill Murray. Anybody seen What About Bob lately? My wife and I watched that the other day. It is nuts. But that is what you call, anybody know? What's it called? A caricature. Look at the real one. Put the next one up. All right, now bounce back, please. Thank you. So a caricature, I, I don't know why, just out of nowhere, I just thought of this word and I looked it up. A caricature is an image of someone or something, listen now, that exaggerates some qualities and minimizes others. Like you'll see some caricatures and some of you, know, like late, uh, Jay Leno and his chin's real big. So a caricature overemphasizes some qualities and then shrinks other ones. I believe most of us are living with a caricature of God, where we've exaggerated some of his qualities and we've minimized some of the others. Unfortunately, one of the biggest that we exaggerate is that he's angry and un, and not pleased with us. And we make that, brrr. But we're gonna talk more about that. So are you worshiping a caricature of God? These aren't gonna be up here, these first couple, but there's a verse in Hebrews that says this, that, that God used Jesus to do some things. And one of them is this. He's the exact radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Jesus exactly represented the Father. And we wanna use that here in just a minute. Then you have in John 14, where Jesus you know, said to the, the disciples, you know, hey, I'm getting ready to go somewhere and all this. And then uh, uh, Philip questions him. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be cool. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, dude, have I been with you this long and you don't know me? And then he says this phrase that's so important. If you've seen me, Jesus, you've seen the Father. Now, what is he saying? We're the same. You know what's weird about us Christians? We kind of think Jesus is cool. Jesus is my homeboy, he's my bro, he, he understands me. But then we say, well, let's go see dad and we all tighten up. We're all like, oh, wow, uh, uh, can't that wait till heaven? <laughs> but here's the deal. I believe one of Jesus' favorite things to do was to show us the Father. And so I've learned to read the Gospels with that mindset that Jesus is trying to show us the Father. So we're gonna look at a parable in Luke chapter 15. And this parable has kinda, in a good way, rocked my, my understanding, experience, and enjoyment of Christianity. And I believe in this parable, Jesus is challenging our character caricatures of God. He's you know, we see him one way and he's trying to help him us see him another. So let's look at uh, Luke 15. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near him to listen to him. But the Pharisees and scribes began to grumble. Now wait a minute. You, whoa, 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 time out. The sinners were up here and sitting down as close as they could get the church of the day was back along the wall. I don't don't think I like this. How many of you wanna be where Jesus is doing what Jesus is doing? Always, how many of you always wanna be where he is and be doing what he's doing, right? What's going on here? Where you're gonna always find Jesus is in the gap between the insiders and the outsiders. He's always gonna be in the gap, listen now, between the people who think they got it figured out and the ones who know they don't. Now, that's where he is. Guess what he's always doing? He's making one group comfortable and the other group uncomfortable. Now, here's what's so cool about Jesus. Oh, I love him. I don't just love God, I like him. And here's what Jesus does. He makes the people who think they got it figured out uncomfortable, and he makes the ones who know they don't have it figured out comfortable. Isn't that weird? So I believe, here's the thing you gotta get now, he loves all of them. He loves the sinners up here, and he loves the sinners back there. They're different sins, but they're still both outside of God's best for them. And so I believe Jesus loves them all. And he's like, I get the sense that he's like, gosh, how can I, what could I do that would talk to both groups? And I feel like he does this. I think I'll tell a story. So he tells a story about a lost coin. He tells a story about a lost sheep. And then he tells a story, and we're gonna pick it up here. So he told them this parable saying, a man had two sons. A man had two sons. Now, I'm, I'm not gonna read a bunch of the scripture, but I just wanna talk about it. A man had two sons. Now, you gotta get this. Who's he talking to? Two groups of people. A man had how many sons? Two sons. How many of you think there might be something going on here? So he begins to tell this story, and he says, the, the, the first son came to his father and said, I want my inheritance. Father gave it to him. I'm not sure that was a wise thing to do, but the father gave it to him. And the son went off and built a business and made his father proud. Is that right? No, no the, the son took everything God had given him, God, father had given him, and we went off and squandered it and riotous living. Drugs and sex and rock and roll. Now, who's he talking to? This group right here. And he says, eventually, the kid ended up in the big sty. He lost everything he had, destroyed his life, maybe divorced, maybe who knows what. But he wakes up, comes to his senses, and he says, I, I'm, I'm going back home. Even my father's servants have more than enough to eat. I'm going home. But he crafts a little speech. I'm gonna... Tell him I'm sorry, I'm gonna repent. I'm gonna tell him I'm not worthy. Say, I'm not worthy. That just feels. Says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. God help us, man. I'm not worthy to be called your son. So he heads toward home. He gets home and dad's on the porch with a stick ready to whip him. Is that right? Yes or no? We, we act like he is. Oh, you, you, you scumbag. You, you took the life I gave you and you made a mess of it? Get over here. Bend over. Bah, bah. <laughs> well, however you do that stuff, I don't know. It's been a long time. <laughs> is that what he did? Now, the son's expecting that because remember what he said. I'm not worthy. To be called your son, so he heads toward home. Guess what? The father doesn't wait for him to get there. He's he's he he runs to him. What does that tell you? It says the father saw him from a distance. What does that tell you? He was looking for him. Well, whoa, 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 whoa! This kid took half of his what his his father owned, and went off and blew it. And the father's waiting anxiously, lovingly, tenderly. And he sees him way off in the distance. And listen now, the father runs. You gotta get this man. Who's telling the story? Who's telling the story? Who knows the father better than anybody? You understand what he's saying? Who's he talking to? talking to insiders that are thinking they got it going and outsiders who know they don't. And what he's saying to both groups is this is what this is what dad's like. Now who else is he talking to? You and me. You and me. Well, I screwed my life up, man. I mean, I just I've just been an idiot. I got the same inheritance as everybody else. I got air to breathe. I got whatever. I got, got all this good stuff from God. I just haven't handled it well. I guess I'll just just crawl back into God's presence and hope maybe he, he, he could be nice to me. Maybe he'd at least feed me. And you turn back your attention toward God, and guess what? He did not wait for you to get there. Imagine approaching the throne of God and you've been a jerk like we're all capable of being and you're kind of thinking you're gonna to have to kind of squirm your way in and he sees you coming and he jumps off his throne and runs over there and grabs you and picks you up. What, what, what are you, Dad, what are you, what, whoa, 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 what are you doing? I'm, I'm such a loser. I've shamed you. I've I've done horrible things. I know, Chipper. I know. I kind of watched. I was there. Well, why aren't you mad at me? Because I understand you better than you do. I believe most of the sin we get stuck in is our attempts to meet a right need the wrong way. I'm gonna say that again. Most of the sin we get stuck in is our attempt to meet a right need the wrong way. Now, what's the answer? Learn the right way to get the need met. I had problems with sexuality. Um, I liked women a lot. And I was a jerk. Hurt people. Cheated on everybody I ever dated. But I learned that my problem wasn't sex. My problem was I didn't know how to receive and give love. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what it smelled like. I didn't know what it felt like. I didn't know how to give and receive love. So guess what? I found something that was kind of close and I tried to use the wrong thing to meet a right need. So yes if you're still here. Yes. Well, guess what? As I became a Christian, I started to learn some stuff and my, my needs started to get met in healthier ways and over time, my drive towards some sins just went like this. So here's the younger brother and he comes back to the father the father falls on him, and he's thinking, "You know, man, I'm in for it." And what does the father do? No lecture, not one syllable. This is Jesus talking about what the father's like—not one word about what he did. Hey, servant, go get the best robe, go get the ring, go get the fattened calf. We're gonna have a party, man. What god are you? What god are you squirming your way up to? Oh, I I know you're disappointed in me, sir. I I, I know I'm I know I I I know I just screw up all the time. You know what? You probably do. But you gotta figure something out. Did Jesus die for all of your sins? Or did he die for just the ones you shouldn't have done or whatever? Did he die for accidental sins? Did he die for intentional? Did he die for past, present, future? How many you have sinned at least a time or so in the last week or so? I'm gonna call you out if you don't raise your hand. <laughs> Come up here. <laughs> um, how many believe he forgives you? How many think you got a few more sins in you? How many have some planned? Whoa, almost caught you, almost caught you. So he comes, father falls on him. The father falls on him. Oh my God, you need the father to fall on you, man. I've had the father fall on me and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. I've never felt love so pure. Rocked me to the core of my being. God throws a party. Why did, I'm gonna take a little, looks gonna feel like a side trip. Why did God create you? I've done this before, and you know, in a group small enough that you could get away with this, and I'll say, you know, why did God create you? And to worship Him, to witness to others, to whatever. And I'm like, okay, so He's an egotistical rock star that wants people yelling His name. Is that what worship is? Come on. Or he, he, he had kids so you'd mow his grass? In other words, do chores? I mean, it's just dumb. Why? I want you to imagine the Trinity by itself. What compelled them to do this? There's seven billion of us. What in the world compelled him to do this? Shout something at me. All right, love, but you got to get this. Say preacher. Help me get it. (laughs) Love, but you got to slow down now. Slow down. So what is, why did he create you? All right, most people, after we've gotten this far, will say this: to love him. First John 4:19, it's in the slides, if you want to throw it up there. First John 4:19 says this: We love him because he We love him because he first loved us. Why did he create you so that he could love you so that he could love you? so that he could love you, so that he could love you. I wanna fulfill God's purpose for my life. You know what his purpose is? Let him love me. I believe what we're talking about is reformational to Christianity. Your church name is Revolution Church. What we're talking about is revolutionary. God didn't send Jesus to kind of clean up your sins so he could tolerate you. He sent, listen, how many of you think Easter is a big deal? Here's here's an interesting thought for you Easter was not solving our problem, it was solving God's problem. God wanted to get his hands on his kids and he couldn't get his hands on his kids because of sin. So you know what he said? I'm gonna go take care of that. Jesus, will you go down there and will you take on yourself? There's a verse in 2 Corinthians 5 that says this. He who knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He who knew no sin became sin. Jesus died so the Father could love you. Jesus died so he could pull you into his lap. You following me? How'd the elder brother respond? Anybody know? Not so good. Not so good. The elder brother got angry. Thought it was cheap grace. How many of you ever thought that thought? It's just cheap. You just preach cheap grace. I do, but it ain't cheap. It cost Jesus his life. Don't you dare tell me it's cheap grace, but it is to us. I like to say this: Jesus did it hard so we could do it easy. How many of you want to honor and appreciate and show gratitude to Jesus for everything he did? All right, here's the deal get what he paid for. If you want to honor him for what he did, get what he paid for. And Green Bay Packers shirt or not, he loves you. <laughs> no, I love them. They're good. I was just, is that Green Bay? Oh, is that Georgia? I, it looked like green from up here. I'm sorry. It looked like Georgia, I mean, Green Bay. Georgia, that is bad. That is bad. If it's Georgia, that is bad. It looked looked green, huh? The bottom line is this. The people that felt like we're going the hard way, we're, we're just gritting it out for God. You know how the parable ends? They were on the outside. The father, this is crazy. Who's telling the story? Jesus, who's he talking to? Sinners, insiders. The father goes out to the son. The elder son who's angry. The father goes out to him. That's a pretty humbling thing to have to do. And the father pleads with his son, please come in. Your son, your brother was dead and now he's alive. Please come in. And you know how Jesus ends the parable? We don't know what happened with the elder brother. It ends, the, listen now, this is so important. The person who thinks, that the way they've been living makes them entitled to God's blessing. Here's the problem with grace. The minute you think you deserve it, you're disqualified to get it. I'm gonna say that again. The minute you believe you deserve grace, you've disqualified yourself from getting it. Here's the cool thing about Christianity. You don't deserve anything. But you get everything. And you know what that'll do to you if you let it? Will it make you, oh, I don't care how I live now, I can live sin or whatever? No. What it'll really do? How many of you'd rather have somebody do the right thing toward you, about you, in reference to you? How many of you rather they did it because they loved you, not because they're afraid of you? You follow me? I travel, I'm in hotel rooms by myself. I don't not watch porn because I'm afraid I'll get caught. I don't watch porn because I love God. I love my wife. I love those poor people that are in that porn. You follow me? Now, how many of you think my wife probably appreciates better that i refrain from things that are offensive and hurtful to her because i love her not just because i'm afraid i'll get caught so yes if you get what i'm saying we love him because he first loved us let's go let's just wind up with the one verse i told you we'd come back to first john 4 i think it's 16 says this we have come to know and believe the love god has for us We've come to know and believe. You know the two main reasons we don't learn how to receive and rest in our Father's love? Two main reasons. One is religion. Religion. Religion is a fear-based, performance-driven way of pleasing God. Well, if I don't this and I do this, God is gonna be pleased with me. Sorry, not gonna work that way. Interestingly, there's another verse Where is it, where is it, where is it? Oh yeah, John 17, 26, I think it's up here too. In that day, you'll ask in my name, Jesus talking, and I don't say to you that I'll request of the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself, what? Because you've lived right and done everything he asked. Is that what it says? The Father himself loves you because You've lived right and done everything he asked. The Father himself loves you because you've loved Jesus and believed that he came from the Father. We've come to know and believe. Almost anybody in America, if you said, do you believe God loves you? Their answer would be yes. but if I followed them around for a week, their life would scream no. These two words, know and believe, we've come to know and believe the love that God has for us. The word know there is gnosko, big deal, fancy little word, but here's what it means. It doesn't mean knowing like we do in the the Western world where you acquire information and you can regurgitate it for a test. No, this word know means to experience the reality of. How many of you know gravity? How do you know gravity? Because it's knocked you down a few times, right? You know, you don't have to read a book about gravity. You don't have to quote phrases about gravity. You know gravity because it has kicked your butt. Here's the problem with the church. I know God loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But have I felt it? Have I eaten it? Have I breathed it in? Has it, has it fallen on me? We've come to know and believe. Believe means to rely on, to trust in. Can I give you all a little secret? God cannot not love you. Oh, you, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. He can't not love you. Now, you can not receive it. You follow me? My big, my big phrase that I love is this. I wanna learn to receive and rest. In the Father's love. I want to learn to receive and rest. Ah. God wants you to learn how to realize, yes, you're an accident waiting to happen. But he understands that. And Jesus died for all of your sins. And you just got to settle it. Is Jesus enough or not? Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you, sir. But more importantly, probably, is that you love us. And sir, I pray for these wonderful people, my friends, my brothers and sisters. I pray that you would give them a revelation, an experiential knowledge of your love for them. I thank you, sir. Lord, help us to find moments where we dare to just sit and say, Father, I want to learn how to receive your love. I want to learn how to let it through. I want to learn how to stop disqualifying myself because the things I have done are things I haven't done. I want to learn to fulfill the purpose for which you created me, which is to love me. And we thank you, sir, in Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys.
0: Amen. Yeah, give it up for Chip. Thank you, sir. Like I said, this is why I wanted him to come and share with us, and you just got a taste of that. And if you weren't here for the marriage conference yesterday, those messages will be online. I'd highly encourage you to go watch that, because it all comes out of this same place. Because if our relationship with God is not right, no other relationship can be right. And so I want to just, before we get out, offer an opportunity, because I don't want to be remiss to think that there are people in the room that don't have a relationship with God. I don't wanna think that all of us here are good. And I just know with a room this size, there are some of us that maybe you don't know God, you haven't trusted Jesus, and so the idea of him loving you is a foreign thought. Maybe there's some of us that we have trusted Jesus, but we still don't believe it. We haven't come to know and believe, like he said. And so I just wanna take a moment and pray and offer a response for those two groups. So would you pray with me? Father, we ask you right now, Um, like Chip said, would you meet us? Would you help us to answer that question? What do we need to do to get our needs met? And God, I know there's some in the room that have never trusted Jesus, and that is the step, is to come to know Christ and what he did for them so that Jesus can bring them to you. So God, I pray for anybody right now who's not trusted you, has not made Jesus the basis of their relationship with God. Would you save them? Nobody looking around or talking here as we close, we do this every week because we wanna offer you grace. And like you said, it's, it's a recognition that we don't deserve it that qualifies us for it. And so if there's never been a point in time in your life where you have openly confessed and trusted Jesus to save you, then that exchange hasn't happened. Your sin hasn't gone to him. His righteousness hasn't come to you. And so we wanna offer that to you. So if you wanna trust Jesus for the first time, right there where you are, I'm gonna ask you to pray with me, to yourself, not out loud. If you wanna trust Christ, it goes like this. Say, God, thank you for loving me. You sent Jesus in my place for my sin. Ask you to save me, forgive me. Thank you so much for loving me. Again, nobody looking around or talking. If you just prayed that for the first time, I want you to do one thing for me. Would you just simply lift your hand so we can see that and know that? Thank you. We've got some men and women are going to walk around, put a gift in your hand. When they do, you can just simply put your hand down. But then those of us in the house that we would say we have trusted Jesus, but if you're a lot like me, you still wrestle with thinking that at some point, at some time, God's going to say enough already. But God is a father who would never reject his son Jesus. And so now if we're in Jesus, he would never reject us. And so if you just need to receive and rest again today, some of you just received that love for the first time, but there's a lot of us in here that we're not resting in it. We're not just resting in the fact that God loves us. And so I just want to encourage you today to know and believe, to know to experience it. Let God love you. Stop long enough and just think about why in the world would God give Jesus for you? The reason is, is because you're of equal value to him. So receive that, rest in it. God, thank you. There is no love like this on the planet. And so God, I pray that we would continue to receive that, we would continue to rest in it because it is truly the greatest news. And we thank you and we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.